The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What would happen if what is unseen in your life suddenly became visible? And if what was growing under the surface suddenly sprouted and started to multiply and produce fruit? Would you like what came out of that? Would you like what people saw if what's unseen became visible. Now look, I realize that all of us multitask all the time, and so especially those of you that are joining us online, now's the time to stop doing the dishes and uh, you know, put down whatever else you're doing and just focus for a moment. Those of you that are joining us um, in person, uh, I know you're good at multitasking on your phone, but I just want you to focus for a few moments here because I, I wanna give you a word that I hope was encouraging, but also challenging because the struggle is real. All right, here, here's the deal. There are gritty people who make tough decisions to do uncomfortable things in the midst of a struggle because they recognize that on the other side of a struggle, there are better things ahead. And they can become better in this moment so that as they get through the struggle, there's even better outcomes. Here's what most of us are probably doing right now in the middle of this struggle. And let's just be honest, right? The struggle is real. Everyone is struggling. Everyone is battling something. We're all kind of navigating through uncharted waters and difficult territory. And so when you're struggling, what most of us want to do is um, just kind of resign ourselves to the struggle. I don't want to fight this anymore. I'm tired of the arguments, I'm tired of the politics, I'm tired of you know, people arguing about masks and no masks and all that stuff, and I'm tired of constantly having to deal with the battle of the pandemic, and then we just start to push back. And we resign ourselves to kind of throwing our hands up in the air and just yelling, and saying, I had enough. I don't deal with this anymore. And so we just stop dealing with it. Just back away from people, back away from um, challenges, and just kind of give up, or, you kind of self-medicate the pain. You kind of, you pick up habits and uh, you give in to desires that just frankly make you feel better in the middle of the struggle. So at least you don't feel it as much. You don't feel the pain as much. And so people either resign themselves or they numb themselves. But there's this unique group of people that lean into struggles. They make tough decisions to do uncomfortable things to become better in the midst of the struggle. And so what if, what if you could develop some qualities that are unseen that helped you to become better in the midst of the struggle? I don't know about you. Have you ever, anybody here, you ever um, dug up an oak tree? Like you, you started digging and you dug away the root system and you just dug up the oak tree. And I'm curious, maybe those of you online, you've done this. I have, in case you're wondering because your pastor's crazy. And uh, it really wasn't my idea. Actually, it was my mom's idea. We were, you know, now that I'm a parent, I understand most of my mom's parenting strategy, which is when you have boys, you just try to wear them out. And so you have to be creative of coming up with terrible ideas that will pretty much exhaust them. So one summer, my mom decided that she's gonna take down, she was gonna have us take down several trees in the backyard, big trees. And so we not only had to cut them down, but then she wanted us to dig up the entire root system by hand. Like the entire thing. She wanted the ball of the root out of the ground. I realize now you can rent a machine that just kind of saws the, the top of it off and you can't see it anymore. Now, my mom said, if that thing is there, I know it's there and I want it out. And so by hand, we began to dig away the roots of the ball of, the, of this oak tree, pretty large oak tree, and it took us like a week. 
And after a week, we didn't have the whole thing out because even if you dig at the roots and you chop them down, you get underneath that thing and there is this massive tap root that goes way down deep, like 20 plus feet deep into the ground. You literally, you're not gonna dig it out. It don't matter how much time you have, you're not gonna dig that root out. And this is why, even when you were to pull out a seedling oak tree, what you'll find is that it might be a six inch seedling, but there's two feet of a tap root underground. So when the hurricanes come, oak trees don't fall. They don't even get phased. On the flip side, if you go, through, if you go for a hike in one of our local national parks, go through the forest, uh, on occasion, you'll see trees toppled over. Those trees are usually some type of a pine tree called a hemlock, and it's part of the reason they get toppled is because they're not designed to withstand major storms. And so when a storm hits, they don't have deep root systems. They're kind of dependent on their root systems interlocking with others. And so if they're growing, their roots are only on the surface. And so when major storms come, they fall. And you can walk right by a fallen hemlock, and what you'll see is maybe a 12-foot diameter root system, and that's it. And that thing's never gonna hold up a significant tree. And so the question is, is what's under the surface in your life, oak tree level or hemlock level? What's holding you in the midst of the struggle and the storms of life? What's growing under the surface? And if we could see what's under the surface, would you like what we see? And so I wanna, I wanna bring, use a story for you to kind of pull out some principles of how you can change what's growing underneath which will prepare you for more of an oak tree kind of life. And so here's the challenge I have for you. I'm gonna introduce you to a guy named Joshua. And on the surface, you might think that this guy just kind of got handed life on a silver platter because when you meet him in the book of Joshua in the Bible, he gets introduced as the new leader of the nation of Israel. He takes over for this guy named Moses. Now, if you know some of the Bible stories, you might be familiar with Moses. He's the guy who led the nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. So he leads this slave nation He's the guy that stretched out his rod and God divided the Red Sea and they marched across on dry ground. And then they spent 40 years in the wilderness, in a desert. God gives Moses the 10 commandments. Well, the guy who takes over for him is Joshua. And you might just think his life is shallow. He's kind of like a hemlock, even though he's given a significant responsibility. So I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna introduce you to a story. It's found in the book of Joshua, which is the fifth book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And here's the story. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River to the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. So here's the picture. For 400 years, God has told the people that he would give them the promised land. This, he's gonna fulfill his promises and he's gonna do it through Joshua. This is what every one of us want to hear with our life. God speaks to you and says, I want you to know that tomorrow I'm going to begin a journey with you where I'm going to accomplish in your life everything I told you I was going to do. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to prosper your family. I'm going to prosper your business. Everything you've ever dreamed, I'm going to accomplish. And you might think, wow, I want that life. I want this Joshua chapter one life. But there's a, there's a little precursor to this moment. There's always a moment before the moment. 
And uh, in his life, there are many moments before this moment. And so there's one word that I'm gonna pull out that's gonna help you really understand how Joshua was really living an oak tree life rather than a hemlock life. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Regardless of what God says next, this opening verse and one word really captures the principle that I wanna use to get your attention, which is simply this, Moses' aid. Moses' servant, Moses' right-hand guy, the guy that Moses, Moses' water boy, Moses' gopher. You might not realize the timeline here, but Moses was leading the nation of Israel for 40 years in the desert. And so for 40 years, Joshua has been Moses' aid. And now after 40 years of serving under Moses, being a gopher for Moses, being the right-hand guy to Moses, doing whatever Moses asked, then and only then does Joshua's moment come where he begins to live out the promises of God and he begins to lead the nation into the promises of God. And so you and I, often we can misjudge someone who is, their life is like an oak tree that is flourishing and we can think to ourselves where their seed just landed in the right place at the right time and they just had the right circumstances around them that allowed them to flourish and so we misjudge the flourishing thinking that there was no price to it thinking that there's nothing under the surface but in reality in Joshua's life there was 40 years under the surface before a moment of promotion and so for you and I, here's what we often misjudge and misunderstand, that behind the scenes, there is, a long, there is many years of roots growing before any fruit is produced. The fruit is the result of the root. And if you don't have any root system, you're not gonna have any fruit coming out of your life. And so here's, here's the challenge. We misjudge the flourishing in people's lives that we, we see their success, their impact, their leadership, and we go, I want that, but we're not willing to pay the price to get it. And the price very often is a private struggle. The willingness to endure pain, the willingness to get up in obscurity and do the small things that no one likes and no one notices that become big things that everyone notices and everyone likes. They're willing to do all the little disciplines of developing and growing and practicing and then be perfecting their practice so that their life can flourish while others falter. And so what is the key? What's the challenge? What's the takeaway I want to give you? It's this. Grow deep first. In fact, wherever you are right now, would you just say this with me? Say, grow deep first. Grow deep first. All right. Since those that are in person aren't, you know, they're not just booming this. At home, just shout out, grow deep first. All right, there we go. Thank you. Those, all right, got, grow deep first. I know this isn't like a, a pep rally statement. This isn't one of those you're like, yeah, do all of the hard work that no, one's, no one sees and then hope that it produces something. Here's the thing. Everything in your life is a seed. Every word, every action, every thought, every day is a seed that you plant. Do you like the seeds you've planted and you do, do you like what's growing up as a result of those seeds? So every word. So when you speak hurt or hate, you're planting a seed. But oftentimes we speak with anger, but what we want to reap is kindness and compassion. We, we sow selfishness hoping to reap generosity from others, that others will, 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 will help us out and look out for us. We, we sow greed wanting to reap generosity. 
But here's the reality. You will reap what you sow. Jesus said it this way, and it's recorded by the author Luke in his gospel. Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. This is both a blessing and a curse. It's a promise and something that you gotta be a little bit concerned about because there's some punishment maybe coming, right? So at, at, on the surface, you go, okay, well, that means that the good things come in my life means there's good things I've planted, but the bad things come in, out of my life means there's bad things I've planted. The reality is Jesus is kind of indicting all of us. He goes, every one of us have some bad fruit coming out and it's a result of the bad that we planted in us. Now, I'm gonna raise my hand and say, yeah, that's me. There's some things growing up in my life that I don't necessarily like. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's good. And it's the result of some bad seed. But the truth is, I didn't want to plant that bad seed, but there's kind of an instinct in every one of us. And so you and I have an instinct to plant bad seed. And as a result, we get bad fruit, and we wish we didn't. So why do we? Because there's something sinister growing inside of us. You could say that you were born with a root system already established called sin. It's a spiritual root system inside of you that infects and affects every part of you, and it will grow up into your thinking. It will grow up into your decision-making. It will grow into the way you run a business or the way you are at school. It will grow up in the words you speak and the attitude that you show others that sin this spiritual corruption infects and affects everything and its root system has tentacles in every aspect of your life and it produces fruit. Fruit in how you make decisions. Fruit in the desires that you pursue. Fruit in the words you speak and how you spend money and how you treat people. And the challenge is that the fruit that comes out of this sin root system will destroy our lives. It hurts others, it hurts us, it wrecks our life, and it leads to a forever ruin. But Jesus didn't give this teaching just to scare us, but to give us a promise, because Jesus did not come just to teach, but to transform our lives. Imagine you could get a root transformation, a root transplant, like a heart transplant. Imagine you look at your root system, you're like, yeah, this is no good. And God says, I can give you a root transplant. I'll change everything about the root system. And so what Jesus did was he came to take the punishment that we deserve for sin. He took on the consequences of our sins. He took on the eternal death of our sin. And so he embraced our sin on the cross and he died in our place, paying once for all the judgment for sin so that in Jesus' death, you and I died. Our penalty absorbed in Jesus. But Jesus didn't just stay dead. Jesus rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, in the power of that empty tomb, Jesus gave us victory over death. He gave us victory over sin. He gave us victory over the fear of eternal judgment. Because when you and I believe in Jesus by faith, our sins are forgiven, guilt and shame removed, and he gives us a root transplant. He plants something inside of us that can begin to grow. He plants his spirit by faith in us. So when you believe in Jesus, something new is planted in you that begins to grow, and he wants his spirit to begin to grow into every part of your life. And he wants his spirit to begin to overtake the sin root system that has grown in you for so long. And so first, don't try the rest of my sermon unless you believe in Jesus by faith. 
And so I wanna encourage you right now, if you have not yet said yes to Jesus, maybe you know you've got a root system that's corrupted and it's producing some things in you that you know are not so good. First step is, do you allow Jesus to come in your life by faith and to plant something new inside of you, his spirit, his love, his forgiveness, his renewal that changes all things. And so, by the way, if you're making that decision, you let us know. Text the name Jesus to 41411 and just let us know about your commitment to saying yes to Jesus. Our team wants to follow up with you. We're just gonna send you a quick link that's gonna give you a next step in how you can begin this journey with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now here is a challenge. Many of you hearing this message, you've said yes to Jesus and that's it. So the seed was planted, but the seed hasn't been watered. The seed hasn't been tended. You, you've, you've deprived the seed of the necessary ingredients of, of watering it and providing sunlight for it. You, you've, you've neglected all of the necessary steps to, to help that root system grow deep in your life first before anything comes out of it. And then you wonder why you have an emaciated faith, an emaciated spiritual life, a life that struggles along. Now, I'm not judging you, I'm inviting you. All right, so let, let's just, I'm inviting you into tough decisions to do hard things that help make you better make you stronger, and you gotta grow deep first. And so what are those steps? I'm gonna give them to you briefly, and, but I hope that you take notes. I hope that you keep up with me because I believe that if you apply this to your life, it will change everything about your life. And so here's the key. Let's jump into the life of Joshua. I'm gonna give you a couple verses and I'm gonna explain each of them to you so you kind of understand what's going on. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up the, on the mountain of God. So God invites Moses, this, so now we're going backward in time. God invites Moses to go up a mountain where God is gonna reveal himself to Moses. God is gonna speak to Moses for 40 days. God is gonna give Moses all the instructions that he's gonna write down that become the first five books of the Bible. And uh, when you get to this, um, God, Moses brings Joshua up, but M Joshua doesn't go all the way to the top of the mountain. He goes halfway up. Moses leaves him behind. And in that moment, Joshua learns how to wait, how to wait on God, how to wait on his leader, not to get out in front. He learns spiritual authority. He learns to submit himself to the timing of God and the ways of God to be a good follower, not just a good leader. Let's jump ahead to the next moment, Exodus chapter 33. It's another time that you see Joshua in the early days. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So Moses would go into what was called the tabernacle. It was kind of like a church, but they would, it was a tent. They would pack it up and they would move as they traveled through the desert. And in the tabernacle is where they would offer sacrifice. And it's where Moses would go in to meet with God. And God would visibly show up in a cloud, Moses would go in, he would pray, he would worship, he would, he would talk with God. And then he would leave and he would go out into the community and he would lead the nation. But what it says is that when Moses left, Joshua would stay behind in the tent. What was he doing? He was praying. He was spending time in the presence of God. In one place it says he stayed all night in the tent. And what Joshua learned, that was before you can have power, you have to get into the presence of God. And before you can lead, you have to follow. And before you're ever gonna do anything significant, you have to spend time in prayer. The power, the strength of your prayer will precede the impact of your life. 
Joshua learned this so that when you jump ahead to the moment where Joshua is taking over leadership, God speaks this to him. As I was with Moses, and you know I was with Moses because you saw it firsthand. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, in a season when you might feel dry, when you might feel beat up, you might feel, where is God? I want to give you a word of encouragement. As God was with Moses and God was with Joshua, he's saying, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you think about that promise though, there's a challenge and the challenge is this, grow deep by tapping in to more of God. Grow deep first. You wanna grow deep first? You gotta tap into more of God. I want you to think about the oak tree taproot. Here's what happens. You go through struggles, you go through challenges, you go through hardships, and, and the drought seasons of life make you look around and think to yourself, there is no water. And so you resign yourself and you stop growing. You give up, you, res- you, you throw your hands in the air. Where is God? God has abandoned me, God has rejected me. No, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. But here's what's really going on under the surface. The drought do- drives the roots to go deeper, to get more of God. It's too often you and I are comfortable settling for the shallow spiritual experiences that you can get on the surface. A shallow root system where your hand fed the promises of God, where your hand fed the presence of God, where you can just open up your social media and read someone else's posting of a Bible verse and you and I are too content eating the easy delicacies that are put out there on social media and online and we've settled in to embrace the cheap and the shallow and the, and the accessible when really what God is doing is allowing a drought season in your life to force your roots to go deeper into his word and deeper into his presence and and deeper into prayer so that your life gets anchored in God's presence so that it is not easily um, toppled by the storms and the struggles of life. Allow the struggle that's real to drive your roots deeper in God's presence because he wants you to take hold of more of him, not settle for the shallow and the cheap. And I promise you, too much of what you're getting is shallow and cheap. And it's corrupting your thinking of who God is and what God's doing around you. Do not settle for the shallow. Go deep, which means this is not enough. Hearing my sermon is not enough. Joining, um, you know, maybe even being in a, in a group online is not enough. You have to spend time in God's word. You have to spend time in prayer. You have to go into the tent of God's presence and spend a lot of time so that you can know more of God, so you know the character of God. When others are attacking God and, they're, and you're beginning to question God's character, you can go back to the taproot of God's presence and say, no, I have spent time with God and I I know who God is. God is my strength, and I know that God will never leave me or forsake me. Here's here's what I want to encourage you with. Whatever flourishing that you want to come out of your life can never get in the way of what God wants to do in your life, which means this. Whatever flourishing you want 
right now probably means more to you than Jesus does. And so God will withhold the flourishing until it does not mean more to you than Jesus means to you. Let me, I'll illustrate my life. Very often I have prayed for and worked for and, and strived for fruitfulness in our church and in our ministry. And I want success and I want impact and I want to see lives change. I want to see a city transformed, but it, it means a lot to me. And so I give it all I've got. And very often I have felt challenged by God that Patrick, I will not give you what you want until what you want means less to you than I do. And God may be withholding his blessing and his success from your life because it means more to you than he does to you. And so what you gotta do is you gotta dig deep so that Jesus means much more than anything that's gonna come out of your life. Does that promotion, does that account, does that career, does that business, does that purchase mean more to you than Jesus does? And so you gotta submit that under loving Jesus more. Okay, let me jump into the next principle. I really camped out on that one because I wanna drive that one home. If you don't get anything else out of this, I gave you what you needed. But let me, let me give you a couple more challenges. Let me jump back in Exodus chapter 17. They're in a moment, again, this is Moses is leading the nation. There's an army that has gathered against the, this, the nation of Israel as they're navigating through the desert. An enemy comes against them. Joshua's gonna lead the army into battle. Tomorrow, Moses said, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. The same staff that he stretched out over the Red Sea. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses... Aaron and her went to the top of the hill. Well, what are they doing? As long as Moses held up his hands in worship, in surrender to God, the Israelites were winning. But when his hands grew weary, whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. You don't think Joshua noticed that it wasn't his skill or his battle strategy? It wasn't his ever. Yes, they were swinging swords. Yes, they were fighting, but it wasn't their fight. It was God's fight. As long as Moses was in worship and surrender to God, they won. And the moment his worship faltered and his prayers were weakened, the battle was being lost. And jo Joshua was able to connect the dots. The, connect, the dots are this. Private roots precede public fruit. You gotta be doing something in private before you can expect anything in public. The private moment is Moses on the mountain with his hands raised in surrender to God in worship. The public moment is the victory in battle. You and I need enough private moments, enough private roots growing if we're gonna see a flourishing of fruit in our life. And so the challenge is, what are you allowing to grow under the surface and and what are you tending to? What are you watering? What are you digging deep in? So I'm gonna give you the challenges. What, what should you be doing? Prayer and discipline. Time with God, time in God's word, time in the presence of God. Beyond that, whatever it is that God's called you to do, whatever purposes that God has for your life, you've gotta be willing to do the hard work and the quiet, private, obscure disciplines of being faithful to learning, to growing, to studying, to, to developing the skills that are necessary to flourish when the fruit comes, but that's all the behind the scenes. It's enduring pain. It's being willing to navigate through someone spreading a rumor about you and not getting defensive. It's being tested in your integrity so that you discover that you're gonna do the right thing no matter what. You gotta develop private roots which precede 
the public fruit. Here's what God wants to do. He wants to grow the taproot of your character that is tapped into Jesus because it's your character that will sustain you when the storms come and the challenges come and things begin to hit against you. It's your character that needs to be strengthened so that God can stretch his calling in your life and do even greater things. Here's what I know. God looks at your life and he sees greatness. And God wants to do more with your life than your character can handle. And so God withholds his blessing and prosperity until your character can sustain his blessing. And so he will not give you even answers to your prayer. And I'm not telling you God is being mean. God is a good father withholding things that will hurt you if you got them too early. Like a father saying, no, you don't get the keys to my car at five years old. A day will come when I'll trust you with the keys. But it's when you've proven you're capable of handling the responsibility. For some of you, God is withholding the responsibility because you're not able, your character is not developed enough. Abraham Lincoln said, I will prepare and someday my chance will come. Work hard at preparing. Pre preparation is the price tag for the promises of God. Preparation is the price tag for the purposes of God in your life. Let me give you one more, and then we'll wrap this up. One more challenge uh, found in Joshua chapter one. It's this, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. You're gonna live out all of my promises. You're gonna live out the purposes of God. You're gonna take land that otherwise you would never have had. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Be careful, do what's right. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. You want to take hold of the promise of God that you're gonna be successful wherever you go? Then you gotta be careful to do what God said. You, you can't turn to the right, you can't turn to the left. You gotta be faithful doing the right thing long enough and so take hold of that promise. You wanna grow deep? Grow deep enough by going long enough. You gotta be willing to go long enough. You gotta keep doing it long enough. Some of you, you've planted seed in the ground and you're wondering why you don't have fruit right now. Well, the problem with your equation is you got good seed with good ingredients, soil and light and water. You got all this stuff to make it prosper, but you don't have enough time. It's good over time that produces fruit. You gotta do the right things long enough. Faith will make you faithful. Want to know why? Because when you have faith in God, then you trust God's faithfulness and you will keep going even when you don't get the results you want, even when it doesn't feel fun anymore, right? Because faithfulness endures when passion dies. Some of you have to just keep going. Keep going long enough. It's not that you're not doing the right things. You just haven't done them long enough. You haven't put enough seed in the soil. You haven't tended it enough. You haven't pulled out enough weeds. You haven't gotten your hands dirty enough. You haven't tended the crop as it's growing. And so you're getting frustrated because you don't see the results right now because we live in a microwave society that want instant outcome. And I promise you, God is in it for the long haul. And so you got to go deep enough by going long enough. You got to just keep going, keep being faithful, keep praying, keep working, keep serving. Keep giving, keep loving, keep being faithful. I love you. And I know God loves you way more than I ever could imagine. And I wanna encourage every one of you, God wants to do so much more in your life than you even want him to do. God wants to produce more out of your life than you could possibly imagine, but the struggle is real. And the hard work is doing the gritty things of being faithful when no one's watching. 
It's growing deep first by growing deep and tapping into more of God. It, it's growing deep by, having, by developing private roots that precede the public fruit. And so can I encourage you right now? I hope that as I've spoken, and you've been so gracious to listen, that more than me speaking, God has been speaking to you. And there's some things that God wants to uproot in your heart right now. There's some things that you've planted that they don't belong there. There's some roots that have gotten attached to your thinking and your decision-making and your emotions that God wants to uproot in your life. And if you'd allow God's spirit to begin to do a transformation, he'd begin to uproot those things and pull them out. And that's gonna happen through repentance. God, forgive me. Forgive me of those words. All you can do is ask for forgiveness for the seed you planted, and then God will do the work of uprooting what's come of it. So some of you, you just need to spend time repenting. Others of you, you've planted, you've tilled the ground. There's some, th there's some new things you need to plant in the ground. Some of you just need to grow, you need to tap deeper into more of God. And this is a worship moment where you can just say, God, I just want more of you, but I'm not gonna settle for this moment. I want more moments and I wanna go along with God. I wanna spend every day with God. I wanna spend more time in prayer with God. So you're gonna make some commitments right now to disciplines and others of you. There's the hard work that's gonna come out of this moment. You need to make some commitments right now. But the commitment is one thing. The follow through is the hard work. Tomorrow morning is where the work begins, but you need to make a commitment right now. And so would you pause? Would you pray? Would you allow God to speak to you? Would you repent? And then would you make a commitment to doing the little right things long enough? Love you guys. Take a moment and pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.